This is Carrie Gephardt, and you're listening to Five for Fruit, your five-minute fix for Reformed theology and practice. What we do here is go back, 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 back. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. Welcome back to another episode of Five for Fruit, Long Time No See. Five for Fruit is a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. You can learn more about the Society at reformedpodcasts.com. What I want to talk about today is very near and dear to my heart and very near and dear to the Reformed faith. We're approaching October 31st, and for many in the Reformed Church, that is Reformation Day. It's Reformation Day because it is on October 31st that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door. And something that was extremely crucial, extremely essential to the Reformation was the conviction in many Reformers that the Church had lost its way because it had given up the proper place of the Scriptures, the proper place of authority of the scriptures. The Catholic Church at the time had two streams of authority. They had the authority of the scriptures and they had the authority of the tradition. But what happens when you do such a thing is that if there is a tradition that is not found in the scriptures, the tradition can still continue and therefore the authority of tradition trumps the authority of scripture. And so much of the Reformation was going back to what the proper place of authority the scriptures have. And this is expressed perfectly, I would say, in the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 1 on Holy Scripture. Scripture in part four says, the authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed and obeyed depends not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore it is to be received because it is the word of God. So the question is, can we prove the Bible using the Bible? Well, the question is flawed. We don't prove the Bible by using the Bible. The Bible proves itself. So the Roman Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation and even today is saying we have two streams of authority. We have the scripture and we have tradition. But if you take a moment and you think for a second, you'll realize who determines what tradition is binding, who determines what scriptures are binding. And what the reformers realize is that the church was claiming ultimate authority. The church was saying, we know what tradition is binding, what tradition is not. We know what scriptures are binding and what scriptures are not. We've given you the scriptures. And the reformers said, no, we've received the word of God because it is the word of God, because the very nature of the word of God that is breathed out by God, as 2 Timothy 3.16 says, the very nature of the word of God, as the apostle Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, that is even greater and more full and more sure than the eyewitness testimony of him himself on the Mount of Transfiguration. We receive the Word of God because it is the Word of God. Now, it tells us in the Westminster Confession of Faith that we can be moved and induced by the testimony of the church to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture, that we may even look upon the Scriptures themselves and think, wow, look at this doctrine, look at the majesty, look at the consent of all the parts, the scope of the whole, the way that it tells us about man's salvation. But it says, 
Yet notwithstanding our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. This is so practical because in our apologetics and in our preaching, we can have confidence in the power of the word of God. We can have confidence that the the word of God is powerful, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, and that we don't have to depend or trust upon our own subjective perspective, our own perspective that is so flawed and so unsure, we can have confidence that ultimate authority belongs to something outside of us. That is the word of God itself. Well, this week, praise God for the prophetic word that's been fully confirmed. Until next time, may you bear much fruit to the glory of God. Five for Fruit is a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Check out more members of the Society at reformedpodcasts.com. Subscribe, rate, and review Five for Fruit on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And visit the website fiveforfruit.com to listen to past episodes and to read articles. Until next time, this is Five for Fruit, your five-minute fix for Reformed theology and practice.